This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Matt Mickelson researches the quietest place on earth with Quiet Parks International. Turns out Canada is one of those places. He was also hit by lightning. All of that is here on the podcast. On In Case You Missed It, can you imagine being paid $2 million just for letting someone use a fake of your face? Bruce Willis did it. And are you okay with being humble? What about taking a nap? Yes, we love naps. All of this on the Shift Daily Podcast. Are you okay? Are you okay with being humble? I am the greatest at being humble. (laughs) (laughs) Very well done. There's a uh, Canadian poet named Humble the Poet. And he is very, very good at what he does. And he's a good public speaker. And he's a really great guy, handsome as ever. And if you ever want to uh, meet a Canadian who is humble, quite literally humble, the poet, um, just give him a quick Google. You'll find him. Probably Canadian. Didn't, didn't Tim McGraw make a song called Humble and Kind? It was be, it was about like Ooh. being humble and kind. But I find that like the second you talk about being humble, it kind of takes away the being humble part like there's a fine line like a poet is someone who could do it really well but do do i get that from a tim mcgraw song i'm not i don't know humble and kind tim mcgraw no go to church because your mama says to visit grandpa every chance you can get it won't be wasted time always stay humble and kind that doesn't really sound very humble does it no Don't expect a free ride from no one. Don't hold a grudge or a chip, and here's why. Bitterness keeps you from flying. Always stay humble and kind. The difference between sleeping with someone and sleeping with someone you love, I love you ain't no pickup line. Always stay humble and kind. Uh, Okay, wow. That's really... Tim McGraw, I love you. There ain't no pickup line here. That in of itself is a pickup line. It is. This this actually makes it all for now. It makes sense when I read this one. It says, when it's hot, eat a root beer popsicle, shut off the AC and roll the windows down. Let that summer sunshine always stay humble and kind. Oh, now it makes sense. Now that does it right there. Yep. Of course. (laughs) We might throw that one into the pile of some Mm -hmm. of the worst lyrics we ever read. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nickelback sounds poetic. I was just going to say, suddenly Nickelback's (laughs) been bumped up on my my Mm -hmm. On the list. A former sheriff could use a little dose of humble, by the way. Oh, he's from Florida. Spin something good into something bad. Morgan tells me it was for a good cause, saying this salute meant to honor fallen officers. People we talked to Wednesday criticized the use of tax dollars, including current sheriff Chip Simmons. Quote, that's a little excessive, irresponsible, selfish. And one man said the money spent, that's just what it is. It's wasted. What do you say to those people? Well, what is it? You know, again, we're trying to, uh, you know, expand the sheriff's office, and that was just part of the expansion. But it was also to honor our fallen officers. So, uh, you know, could you have changed it differently? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I guess there's ways we could have done it differently. Uh, but we chose to do it that way. Why make the statue of yourself and not a generic statue? Why not? Morgan tells me it's common practice at the Florida Sheriff's Association in Tallahassee. I called their president, who tells me their memorials are generic and are not paid for by taxpayer dollars. Uh, well, hey, you know, sometimes you go to work and things just happen strangely. 
Yeah. That's what's happening here. So, uh, uh, Brendan, if you can see the Florida song, please let me know. Uh, I'm going to keep reading. That former sheriff from Escambia County spent $75,000 in taxpayer money on two life-size bronze statues, including one of himself, before leaving office. He left after 12 years on the force. Six-foot-four statue displays Morgan in his sheriff uniform while standing in a saluting stance, and he loves it. That was from ABC3, by the way. And that clip was supposed to be this song. The County Sheriff's Office say this man sold crack to an undercover police officer all while wearing a shirt that said Coke on it. <laughs> That's not confusing at all. <laughs> oh, That's a real man. Florida story. That's a real Florida story. But when you play it in the middle of the bronze statue story, yeah, it's yeah. really confusing. Okay. So what we're supposed to happen there is we're supposed to have the Florida song because it's a story about Florida. The Florida. Da. And then um, then we do the story and then we play the clip from ABC3. Anyway, Morgan is repaying the value of the statue back to the county which is keeping the statue, which is dumb. I mean, put that in your front yard, by the way, if you're going to pay for it. So he spent all that money, $75,000 on two statues, one of himself, and now he's got to pay back the cost of his statue. He pre-filed in early April to run for Pensacola mayor, but withdrew from the race in early uh, August due to family medical issues, but he's still going to pay for the statue. It's a good way to get your name on the library, I suppose. Yeah. Do you think if you win... And become mayor. Do you put the statue in your office? Do you think you would do that? Six foot four. That'd be all right. Or just outside the office door. That'd be all right. Just outside. I just can't really. It just sucks. That's just so lame. Like, can you imagine? I got a meeting with the mayor, and you walk in, and there's just this crudely made bronze statue of like of the mayor. I would just laugh. I just think that's hilarious. Why would you want a statue of yourself? Why would you want that? I don't get well, that. Well, did you see the James Corden did it with um uh what's his name? Soccer guy, David um yeah. why am I gapping? Yeah, and the terrible Ronaldo and the terrible Ronaldo. No, no, statue. it was uh No, no, it was the uh the oh David not Beckham? Oh, I, Beckham. Why can I not remember his name? So he did a statue revealing for David Beckham, and they built this statue that looked nothing like David Beckham, and they were like, Come check out the statue and give it your approval so we could put it up. And it was it was all a spoof on David Beckham. It was worth it. Give it a Google. It's on YouTube. Oh, well, this is going well so far. Are you okay? Are you okay with taking a nap? <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, no, I, I seem to struggle with it. I have to do all of my sleeping at once. It's weird. If I take a nap, I usually feel worse. Really? Yeah. I can fade away, man. I can have a little crash nap, 10 minutes, yeah. 7 minutes, 45 minutes. You name it. Often I'll be like, well, I've got half an hour here. I'll just close my eyes, set my alarm just in case, and I'll see what, uh, maybe I fall asleep, maybe I don't. Alarm. Hmm. <laughs> like now. It's like that. Blink gone. Is it really that easy? For me, I just can't. Maybe when I first started, I was able to nap here and there just because of how tired I was getting used to the schedule. But I would say nine times out of ten, if I am napping, it's literally just to close my eyes. I don't actually fall asleep. I just, I, I'm like Brendan. I can't, I can't turn the switch off and just go to bed. Hmm. I can. I've given up on life, but I'm a parent, so that's what we do as parents. Save me now, nap. Taking a nap can be amazing for getting an energy boost, catching up on lost sleep, or sleeping through math class. 
or trying to avoid your kids. A lot of parents do that, right? I'm just going to take a nap, meaning basically leave me alone. It's important to take a nap at the right place in the right time. Here's a prime example of that. Rescue teams in Tulsa, Oklahoma, were dispatched to recover a reported dead body from the Arkansas River, but that guy was not dead. He was just very sleepy. Here's more from Good Morning, L.A. Um, that's a very grim task. Yeah. So imagine their surprise when they got close enough to see Wait, the so-called victim is... actually was alive and well. This is weird. He was just napping. What? On a lazy summer day what? on With the river. With clothes on? Fully dressed. His pulse? He, no, he... No, look, he just gets up. He was fine. Oh. No, he was fine. <laughs> this is so weird. Okay, so... I don't know why the rescuers were. It says the rescuers were embarrassed. I don't know why they should be embarrassed. Why should they be embarrassed? I mean, I mean, it looked like a legitimate call. I. But they are asking Tulsans to, you know, don't do that. Don't nap on the river. Don't. I. Is this real? It's real. <laughs> is that a TV a TV ad lib right there? I think it is. Yeah. Oh, it's some terrible TV ad libbing. You know, I'm going to throw that in there. Got to throw that in there. Uh, officials said in a statement, the river is low, but still potentially dangerous in areas. Please stay safe and find alternate ways to stay cool and nap. Uh, you know what I'm guilty of? What are you guilty of? I like of? to nap in the bathtub. Oh, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't. But it's different. I don't mean this in a, in a bad way, okay, because I know you're not as tall as I am, but it is different okay. for me. It's a five-foot tub. I'm oh. six foot, six foot one, and 230 pounds. My displacement level is quite grand. I displace a lot of the tub, and you would have to, like, I would have to fold in half (laughs) somehow to get into too deep of water. Okay. All right. That's that's a fair point. I do want to say, though, that the image of the guy in the water, it does look like a dead body just floating in the water. And the firefighters, when they get up, they poke him and then he just gets up and they just start like shrugging and then they all start laughing and they just don't know what to do with this guy who was just <laughs> snapping in the on middle like a of a pool river. noodle or something or no, a tube. It's it was like a patch of the river that was like gravel, you know, like a low. Um, it was re- super shallow, really shallow. So he's just uh, laying there. Oh, yeah. so it wasn't like floating down the river so much as just no, like it in wasn't a really floating. shallow it was river. Completely still on a shallow. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's fun. Oh yeah, don't die. Hmm. Are you okay? Are you okay with taking the train? Yeah, I really have no choice. Me too. It's, yeah, it's... it's, I want to take, like, Rocky Mountain here, like, real deal train. Like, that's cool. I'd love to do that. Yeah, It's expensive, and it's hard to book because, like, it's hard to book that trip in terms of the transit and all that. Uh, But I would love to make it happen one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one day and you don't travel at nighttime. You stay in hotels at night, so you get to see everything in the day, which is kind of cool because you don't miss anything. Public transit can keep a city together, getting people from place to place and connecting everyone, but would you take the train just for the fun of taking the train? We present to you one of the lamest world records of all time with pretty great story attached to it. A Boston woman is on a mission to stop at every train station in record time. Here's more from 7 News Boston. Right now, I'm here to scout out a critical transfer on the journey. Boston native Maya Jonas Silver spent Thursday evening scoping out her route on the rails. Four years ago, 
two guys, uh, for the first time ever, set the Guinness Book of World Records record for the fastest time to get to every tea station. Come Friday morning, Jonas Silver will try to beat the record for hitting each stop on the tea. The 29-year-old is moving to New York City in just a few weeks with her fiancé. Her love for the city, along with being a lifelong MBTA writer, motivating her to try the record-breaking ride before leaving. I grew up in Dorchester. We would take the tea home from elementary school, and then I went to Boston Latin, so I uh, was on the green line to the red line just about every day. The time to beat is 7 hours, 29 minutes, and 46 seconds. Jonas Silver says there may be a couple of obstacles. There's this construction right here, which definitely adds some time. And then there's also construction at the end of the E line in Jamaica Plain. Then there is a transfer on the orange line to figure out. What we're trying to do is just walk up and across right here. Jonah Silver will need to document her arrival at each stop with time, video, and pictures. With loved ones rooting her on, she says she is ready for the ride of a lifetime. Just really excited to, you know, make this attempt tomorrow, hit every stop, and hopefully it'll come out the way I want it to. That's quite amazing, actually. She ended up beating the record by 25 minutes. She tweeted that she did it in seven hours, four minutes, 29 seconds. There are 149 stations in Boston, and the MBTA, the Boston's Transit Authority, was pretty stoked about her win. Your name will go down in history, the MBTA wrote. That's kind of cool. This is the Shift Podcast. These are sounds recorded in Yellowstone of coyotes from our next guest. I don't know what is the best part of going camping, whether it's, you know, the smell. There's something about the smell of dry cedar to me that is, it's got to be some psychology kid thing. It takes me back to being on Vancouver Island, living in Port Alberni, the smell of those hot, dry walking paths. But then then you hear the birds. We were just talking on the shift uh, last week about the sound of the birds. The birds to me are... Our key. I love springtime in the morning, you know, you get up and the, the birds are making noise. I know not everybody shares that love because some people are like, shut up. But uh, that is one of my favorite things. So Ryan found this amazing story about the quietest places on earth. And you would never really think that that's a, a study that somebody would do for life until you really think about it and you go, well, yeah, of course you would. Why wouldn't you do that? And so to get into the conversation here is uh, Matt Mickelson, executive director of the Wilderness Quiet Parks. Sounds fancy, Matt. <laughs> Sounds fancy for a job where I just go camping a lot. <laughs> it is. Like you you go and you find quiet places. I was listening last night as I went to bed and, you know, I live in a city, 70,000 people. It's pretty quiet here. It really is. You can hear the whirring and you can hear um, the trains rumbling down the tracks somewhere along the prairies because I'm on the prairies and you can hear those things. And it always takes me back to once when the power went out and I was outside. It's different when you're outside and the power goes out because you can hear the world wind down, like spool down. The whole world just goes. So when you go into nature with you do, it must be quite remarkable to hear 
silence that's not silence. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, people are often like, I tell them what I do, and they're like, what? Like, I've never even thought about that. That's the reaction I get most of the time. Um, and what we do at Quiet Parks International, this nonprofit, is essentially it's like uh, sound is a resource just like water or air. Um, and if you're an animal, that's really apparent because you got to communicate about all sorts of stuff. And if you're a human, like part of our relaxation when we're outside, when we're camping, um, just like out for a walk, stuff like that is more enjoyable when you have quiet. Um, and that's kind of the, the premise that we're built off of is that quiet uh, makes you a better person um, and quiet is good for animals. So um, I feel very lucky to be able to like, yeah, go outside, enjoy the world, uh, appreciate the world, pay attention to it. Um, and listen to these places that are really disappearing super quickly. Um, noise pollution is just everywhere all the time. All you got to do is like look at one of those live air traffic maps mm-hmm. um, to see like there are planes, thousands of them in the sky at all times. Uh, right, you don't cities, think Cities, yeah, the sound from cities goes for 15 miles, even you know through prairies and mountains and all these things. So um, we're really trying to recognize and protect places that are quiet before we lose the ability to be able to listen to them. Um, and we do that for a lot of different reasons. Now, uh, you've affectionately been called a tree hugger many times, and <laughs> but this is different, though. I mean, protecting, yeah, we all know as humans, regardless of any conversation around climate, we all know as humans we can be more responsible. So I don't anybody who argues about climate, I don't care. We all know we can be more responsible. So let's just all agree that what if, what if, we could just be a little bit more responsible and protect some of the quiet places on Earth? This is remarkable to me. And when you think of being grounded, I've always said one of the reasons why people love camping and people love vacations as much as they are prepackaged, all-inclusive <laughs> sales pitches <laughs> is because we take our shoes off and we get our toes in the sand. We get our toes in the grass. We ground ourselves back to the earth. And what you've inspired in me just in this is what if there's more than that? I mean, we, how many people meditate to the sound of waves, right? Totally. Or how can you not meditate to the sound of waves? Even if you don't call it meditating, like who doesn't enjoy sitting on a beach with your feet in the sand or walking on a trail and hearing the birds? That stuff is super nice, regardless Mm -hmm. of who you are. Um, And a lot of people are like, well, why focus on like sound? Why not focus on water pollution or air pollution? And kind of what we're doing by focusing on sound is also focusing on that stuff. If you got an area that's free of noise pollution, it's also free from all sorts of other types of pollution from resource extraction or highways nearby or people throwing trash on the trails, stuff like that. Um, And I think really what we're getting at is like mindfulness in some ways. Um, I'm not a super spiritual person. I'm not religious, um, but quiet is really good for your soul. It really Mm -hmm. is. Um, And I really like what you said about responsibility. Like, sure, you can argue about climate change or whatever you want to call it, but we can all do a little bit better job taking care of the planet, taking care of our neighbors, um, because this is not going to be as nice as it is if we keep just like, you know, polluting and um, doing all this other stuff we know is not super good for the earth. Well, and we we go and we look at all of these things like from the perspective of tangibles right garbage great example you know plastics in the ocean stuff like that we don't look at it from this perspective so this is really cool for me so what's the favorite uh well tell us about the places because first of all the quietest places on earth you got a bit of a list here um tell us about that because there is a connection to canada here totally um it's important to note like quiet isn't always when we're talking about like natural quiet or natural silence it doesn't mean that it's like 
there's no sound going on. So, for instance, the Amazon jungle is super naturally quiet because there's no noise pollution. But if you go to the Amazon, it's like, you know, a cacophony of birds and insects. So what we're talking about when we talk about quiet isn't necessarily how loud it is, but how much noise pollution there is. Um, there are lots of places that are really loud, but are naturally quiet, like the Amazon. Um, there are places all over the world that we're looking at, over 200 sites, just in the Wilderness Quiet Parks program. We also have an Urban Quiet Parks program and um, a Natural Reserve. You know, we have all these different types of programs going on. But just in my department, we have over 200 sites that we're looking at. Um, and those are areas that some of which we've been to, some of which we've been to and tested, some of which we've just heard about. Um, and we've really developed this worldwide network of folks on every continent almost that are devoted to this and that want to know um, how they can help. Um, yeah, we got spots in Canada, United States, Asia, Africa, all over the place. It's really amazing to see uh, quiet is appreciated, not just by weird uh, tree huggers like me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what, though? It's neat. It's pretty grassroots. Excuse the pun. Um, yeah. <laughs> that it's uh, of what it is. I mean, and simple. So simple. I think of waterfalls, right? Definitely not quiet, but particularly quiet. So totally. where, can we talk specifically about a couple of places in Canada? I mean, there's, there's really, um, there's some re around the world, there's some extremely exotic, magnificent, wow kind of places uh, for sure. But I would like to bring this right back to, to my country. So what, what kinds of places do, do you see in Canada as being the quietest, at least the most pure sound wise? Yeah, one of the places we're looking at, um, and it'll have a lot more data on soon, is Grasslands National Park. Um, the grasslands in general are a really special spot because there's not a lot of development. It's not, um, you know, like Glacier National Park in the United States um, and some of these other parks in Canada like Waterton and stuff. They're visited heavily by people. Grasslands isn't quite as popular. Um, and the way that it's situated, the prairie, like you were talking about, is an amazing ecosystem. Um, so Grasslands National Park is one that uh, we're visiting soon. We've had some people visit for a preliminary test. We're going back this fall to collect some more data. Um, for so everyone who doesn't most... know, that's in Saskatchewan. Yes. Um, and uh, which, again, you wouldn't think of Saskatchewan as being a uh, national parks. Uh, you know, we always get biased by Niagara Falls and Banff, right? These big, majestic <laughs> things. Okay, so what what else are we looking at? Totally. Um, that's the one that I feel most confident in because I've, really? I've seen some preliminary data on it. There must be grasslands. some stuff up like north and when you get up to the, the way. Oh, yeah. Um, that's I think Canada will be a very large holder of quiet parks. Um, one of the things that we're always trying to balance is like accessibility versus, uh, you know, inaccessibility. So there are places up north in the Yukon, probably dozens of places that we could certify as quiet, but we don't want to have to like fly a bush plane to go visit those places. Right. Uh, places <laughs> like Banff are really accessible. Lots of people go to them, but Banff has trains going through the whole thing. There's very few quiet places in Banff National Park. Right. Um, Grasslands is one of those places where it's like perfectly situated where you can still access it if you want to go there, but there's enough wild there where you can really get far enough away from the roads and the trails and all that stuff to really find yourself uh, a quiet experience. And again, it's not just about the human experience. It's about ecologically what that does for the wildlife and for um, kind of the undisturbed ecosystem is, is really important as well. So Grasslands is straight south of Swift Current, um, right on the uh, pretty much right on the border, actually, with the United States. OK, so we've got all of these this amazing sort of places to go, which is 
a bit of a crossroads, I'm sure, because you want people to know about them and experience them, but you don't want people to know about them and experience them. <laughs> well, it's funny. We want people to know about them. We want people to experience them, but we want it to be intentional. Um, I would love if people, more people visited these quiet places. And if they're going there for quiet, they're aware of the resource we're trying to protect. Um, and that's, I think, the difference or the kind of culture we're trying to instill when we go to visit these quiet places is that we're all there to experience the same thing. So if you go to visit a quiet place, maybe like leave your Bluetooth speaker at home. Right. Um, you know, talk quietly when you're on the trail or don't talk at all. Um, and it's a really like magical experience when you go there to intentionally listen. A lot of people don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, it's just not something we do a whole lot in North America as a culture. So like to go and intentionally visit a place for the sound or to listen is a really cool thing to do. Um, and I always tell people that they're like, why, you know, yeah, why protect quiet? And I'm like, it becomes self-evident once you experience it. Yeah. Uh, once you know what it's like to experience quiet, it's undeniable the the real need to protect it and to experience it well as soon as the idea came up i looked at ryan and kind of said really hadn't thought about it but then as soon as you're present to it you go oh okay yeah, i get it so totally with the uh, wilderness quiet parks is there any action that you guys take to protect from things like jets flying over i mean can you even have that argument saying look this is incredibly important can can we not can we have this as a no-fly zone for easy language um, it's a fight we've tried to have and we'll probably continue to try and have. Um, I think the, what we've realized is the more important tool for conservation is that grassroots movement like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, getting local communities to buy into the idea, like people around grasslands or on the United States side, um, there's American Prairie Reserve, which is just south of grasslands. And people who live around American Prairie Reserve, a bunch of native folks, um, a bunch of people who work at American Prairie Reserve, they understand the importance of that resource. So trying to gather like local kind of buy-in to protecting this resource is step one. Right. Um, then it kind of empowers those communities to say like, okay, well, what can we do to keep the quiet or what are the threats to quiet? Right. Um, Unfortunately, not a whole lot of airlines uh, currently are in the mood of trying to increase their cost to fly around our yeah. quiet parks. Well, However, fair. we really think that that's changing because there's a lot of movement to try and decrease your impact when you fly uh, or travel at all. Um, so we're hoping to be able to convince airlines to start these like kind of uh, quiet, friendly routes uh, that avoid national parks. They avoid wilderness areas. And it doesn't add that much cost to them. Mm. Um, and so we're hoping that like kind of the snowball starts rolling down the hill and yep. it becomes big enough where we don't have to beg the FAA to help us out. Um, the, the companies that hold the power will, will help us out because they know it's the right thing to do as well. Well, we did see that in, in England with sonic boom from a supersonic jets, right? So, I mean, you know, it's possible. I, I get totally. that. And, of and course we've seen it too, you know, uh, large and small scale kind of all over the place is that yeah. once you have a community that really cares about something, uh, people want to want to help out, you know, especially if there's other alternatives. Um, yeah. So we're really just trying to kind of recognize these places, get them on the map, so to speak, and then empower these communities to keep protecting them, give them resources to protect them, drive some tourism that way, um, intentional tourism, um, and then kind of kind of see where it goes. But if we don't work to protect the places now, we can't like backtrack. You can't like undo noise pollution very easily, yeah. um, especially when it's like, you know, a power plant or a yeah, mine industry. or yeah. a highway. Um, that stuff is not, can't really easily go away, but we can reroute aircraft relatively easily 
if there's power behind that movement. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you're not asking anybody to not live their life. Uh, you're just saying, hey, let's just make smarter decisions, which is cool. Matt Mickelson is with Wilderness Quiet Parks. So I'm guessing that there must be a couple of rules uh, to, to participate in going out and recording some of these these places. Like, for example, uh, no change in your pockets. Um, <laughs> and nobody's allowed to wear cords. No corduroy pants. No corduroy pants. You got to have a, a full but not too full breakfast. Your tummy can't rumble too much. Uh, surprisingly, there are very few barriers to entry if you want to help out. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the whole organization, Quiet Parks International, like we really are literally completely just... Um, totally volunteer. No one is getting paid for their work. We all just really care about it uh, at this time. Obviously, we'd like to change that at some point. But I think it's really goes to show how much we care about this um, and how much everyone we work with cares about it. So if you're interested in learning more or helping out or like just talking more, we're a very accessible group of people. Um, Matt at quietparks.org is, is awesome. my email. So I it's love easy it. to reach me. Um, and yeah, I take people out recording all the time. People reach out to me like, hey, can I meet up with you? I've taken probably 10 people out this year alone. Really? Hey, so this is cool. So um, yeah, I, I hear my breath, right? I think that that's what I look forward to. If I was to go, you know, and climb a mountain, if you will, and um, you get out there and then the, the humanity kicks into it and you're you you hear your breath, all you hear is your breath. So what's your what's your favorite sound, Matt, when you get out? What do you listen for that's Matt's love affair in this? Because you have a history in you know, recording and, and sound and, and all those pieces. So there, there must be one thing that just gets you every time. I'm always searching for the best answer to this question, and I never get it. Um, and it, it also depends so much on where I am, what ecosystem I'm in. Uh, one sound recently that's really just been like so special to me is the sound of loons. Um, I moved to Minnesota pretty recently and spent a lot of times up in the Boundary Waters Wilderness Area, um, which is south of Quetico in Canada. And uh, the loons there are just incredible. And you can hear them echo through the forest for like, it's like 30 seconds, you know, they like call and it just the echo moves through the whole forest. And that's so special. Um and often the like sounds that are faintest are kind of the coolest. Um, you know, one of our board members, Gordon Hempton, is a very well-known acoustic ecologist and sound recordist. And he always says, talks about sound as information. Um, so it's not always the super loud in-your-face sounds that are most impressive. It's like the really subtle sounds that allow you to pick up on what's kind of happening around you. Um, and I definitely, I definitely carry that with me and encourage other people to think about sound in that way. Is there one place that surprised you the most with what you heard? Oh, man. Other than Every... moving to Minnesota, eh? <laughs> hey, <laughs> you betcha. Um, honestly, I think I'm always blown away by uh, how I... Uh, how do I put this? I guess I'm always surprised by how long I can listen for without getting bored. Um and, you know, I'm like a pretty normal mid-20s human being. I like airplanes and motorcycles and rock music. Like, you know, I like all that stuff too. So people all the time are like, well, what do you do to like keep yourself entertained when you're out in the woods and just sitting there for hours on end recording? And I don't even think about it. It just happens because once you start tuning into that stuff, you can't stop tuning into it. Um, so I kind of encourage everyone who's listening just to like, when you're done listening, take a take a few minutes and just hear what's going on around you. Um, there's so much happening at all, all times that you can kind of 
clue into. Um, and it's really relaxing. It's a good like break from everything. Uh, my father always says I've ruined his back porch for him. Cause now, even though he lives out in the country, he hears his air conditioning and he hears the distant hum of the highway and all these things. Um, but really he's just kind of more tuned into his surroundings, which is, you know, pretty cool. That is very cool. Um, if we can play some audio from something you've, uh, you've done, what would you recommend that we, we can do right here? I'll send you some loons, it's you know, if you want, or, or grasslands. Like I have recordings from American Prairie Reserve just south of grasslands, which is really, really special. All right. Sounds good. We'll take both I'll, and uh, we'll get a little. I'll, t- I'll send you that? way too much stuff. That's good. I love it. Um, <laughs> thanks for the time, Matt Mickelson. You have inspired something in me that is new. And um, as a guy who has a recording background into radio and well, let me put it. Can I translate this to my world a little bit? Absolutely. In one of my pieces of writing, I have the real gift is get, that is given is not the words that I speak, but it's you receiving the words. And the only way I can influence you is not with what I say, but it's the space I provide in between the words. So from that, it does resonate with me greatly that the magic to speaking is actually the silence. And that's my heart in this world. And so the notion that the silence is everything, uh, that, that hits me to a whole new level. Totally. Well, it's really amazing to hear you say that. Like a good musician knows it's not about the notes you play. It's about the space in between the notes or the space that those notes occupy, which is silence. Like silence is a canvas for writing, for music, for speech, for love. Um, silence really is like the basis of everything. It sounds like you should come out to the field with me and do some sound recording because you're obviously a sound nerd. You'd I really enjoy am. it. Yeah. I bring super sweet microphones out and we have, we have a blast. Are you going to make me hug a tree? Uh, only if you really want to. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Matt Mickelson, Executive Director of Wilderness Quiet Parks. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate this. Yep. Thanks so much for having me. It's the Shift Podcast. It's time for Ryan O'Donnell. And in case you missed it. In case you missed it on the radio, here's I am the father. O'Donnell. Oh, God. We're never going to hear the end of that one. I certainly hope not. <laughs> I'm not quite like ready to be excited. there, my friends. <laughs> you get all excited. No, not yet. Um, maybe one day. We'll see. Uh, man, funny. Okay, good one, though. I, I <laughs> threw me off. <laughs> okay, uh, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about deep fakes again. This is a piece of technology that always screws with my brain. I will never forget the first time I encountered a deep fake. I forget his name. It's escaping me off the top of my head. Uh, Will something, I believe. Uh, he's a classic SNL actor, and he's not Will Ferrell. Uh, Will Sasso. Amazing and impressive. No, I do love Will Sasso, though. I'll try to look it up here. Um, he, he's amazing at impressions. Uh, just some of the best impressions. No, his name is Bill Hader, not Will Bill Hader, amazing at impressions. <laughs> oh, that's hard to help with. You get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, he's amazing at impressions. And he was doing a Tom Cruise impersonation uh, on, I think, Conan. And subtly, there was a deep fake in the video that made his face look like Tom Cruise. And it's I was like, what the heck is happening? Can he change his face to make him look like, you know, can he just squint? And he was doing Jim Carrey and all that. And then my brothers would point it out. No, that's deep fakes. The technology essentially is you can use 
a computer program, artificial intelligence, to simulate a face on someone else's body or just generate the face entirely. And this is exciting technology that's potentially terrifying. I mentioned last month on The Shift that Lucasfilm, you know, Star Wars, hired a professional deep faker off YouTube. Now, what could that person do? Well, put young actors' faces onto their older bodies to, you know, have a Luke Skywalker, uh, you know, younger series, who knows, or generating completely AI uh, created characters that are just voiced by the actors. But what about putting an actor in an ad via deepfake? Sounds illegal. This is a thing now. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, when I grew up, was the action star. I would say the youngest action movie I can remember seeing that like my dad secretly told me was okay to watch, that my mom definitely was not okay, was, was Die Hard. And I adore mm. Die Hard. I had all the VHS copies. I'd watch them at least once a week. I, I, and I at Christmas time. Those. And definitely at Christmas time. Yeah, absolutely. I will say, though, I didn't really catch on to the Christmas thing as much until I was older. But I do consider it a Christmas movie. Aside <laughs> the point. I, I thought Bruce Willis was just the coolest guy ever. And every movie I watched Bruce Willis in, I just enjoyed it. But now... He he's like Steven Seagal. I don't know what happened if he just made so much money that he just decided meh. But essentially, all he does is direct to DVD, direct to uh, you know uh, cable, terrible action movies where he has five lines, but he's the main character on the poster, and all he does is sit down or make a grung you know grunt face, and it's just it's very lazy and it's disappointing because he was such a cool action star for so long. I'd like to see a comeback. I don't know if we're going to get there, but he has done what I would consider to be the laziest way to make money in human history. (laughs) Bruce Willis is the star of a new set of Russian commercials for a mobile phone carrier there and internet provider called Megaphone. He is there, the star of the campaign via deepfake. As reported by Russia Beyond, Megaphone utilized face-generating technology to digitally put Bruce Willis's face over another actor, all while Willis was safe at home in the U.S. doing absolutely nothing, not even voicing dialogue. He, quote, received an unannounced fee for the licensing of his facial features and the use of his die-hard character in the marketing campaign. Would you get gentlemen like to guess how much Bruce Willis may have been paid to be in a deep fake ad? Well, first, before I answer that question, do you trust that the email transfer is going to come from Russia? Like that you're actually going to get paid? I think this uh, is a well, cash up front scenario. Uh, well, there have been 18 individual ads made with his 18 face on ads. It. 18 okay, ads. Okay, so I'm going to say 18 ads is going to be 18 Sorry, ads 15, is going to 15. be. 15 ads is going to be $6 million. Okay. I will go with $6.1 million. Ooh. Ooh, You should have gone lower. Between one and two. Now, maybe between one and two million. If maybe Bruce had gotten on the plane. It's it's actually, it's in the script, but I didn't want to make it seem like I was cheating, so Mm -hmm. I threw that one. I threw it. I figured. You cheated again? I I did actually cheat, but I threw it. 
<laughs> oh God, I'm going to just start censoring my scripts uh, from so. typos and <laughs> and revealing my answers to my questions for yeah. you. Sneaky yeah, sneaky eyes over there. This guy made two million dollars by literally saying to a Russian company, "It's fine, use my face." He didn't have to do anything. But by the way, this is what Russian Bruce Willis sounds like. Mississippi. Mississippi. Megafona. That's what I was expecting, yeah. Bruce Willis is now star of strong Russian commercial. And it's weird. Just, this, is, this is such a descent for one of my most beloved childhood actors. Now, if I got the chance to meet Bruce Willis, I would applaud him for everything and ignore this. But if he keeps doing this, what what is next, right? How low? What is, what is the threshold of how little you have to work to make that much money? I think it's that great. It's smart. He just is like, okay. I'm more impressed the fact that they actually give him the chance to say, hey, by the way, can we use your face? I mean, yeah. you would think that they would just be like, we're going to use your face <laughs> and then just not pay him. Well, this isn't some like, well, I don't know. This is a big Russian company. Like this is a huge internet provider there. I, I, I'm not, I don't know if there's any sketchiness here. I, I honestly couldn't tell you, but it's a giant company there. This isn't just like some small black market kind of thing. This is a proper telecommunications company in Russia that has reached out to one of America's forefront action stars and put his face on an actor. It's just bizarre. Megaphone. Megaphone. I rec- if you can watch the ads, they're very weird because there's moments where you're like, that's Bruce Willis. And then there's more moments where you're like, that it's not Bruce Willis. Uh, anyway, good for him. Making a whole bunch of money on uh, a whole bunch of nothing. Yeah. I wish Speaking, I could. Speaking... Yeah. Right? I mean, if I, if I, here's the thing. If somebody offered to use my face, I would do it. Yeah, Absolutely. Are you 100%. kidding me? I'm not, I just, this is kind of a low point, I think, <laughs> in I marketing admire. and advertising. No, I admire it. I, I think this is good for Bruce. No, this is good. Efficient. Yeah. It's efficient. Maybe he'll stop making bad movies and use this to actually be in a good one. Maybe. Don't hold your breath. Or, or, They'll do a diehard prequel and just deep fake young Bruce Willis onto an actor. There you go. It's been done. I wouldn't be shocked. Let's uh, let's keep this theme of technology going because I have another one, and it has to do with vaccine passports. So it's in the news. We're expecting a big announcement in British Columbia uh, today regarding vaccine passports and the uses and the requirements of them. Um. I know Brennan and I were discussing, like, where do you find yours? I lost my piece of paper the day I got my second dose. I have no idea where it is. But in Alberta, there's the Alberta My Health, the online portal, and I can easily flash my proof of vaccination. But there's also, like, there's not just, like, an individual tab for that. It also shows proof of vaccination, proof of this, proof of this. So when I show that, I'm actually going to an event on uh, Friday this week. And the proof of vaccination is required to get in. So I'm going to be showing a bouncer my health records, which also underneath it has other, you know, tests and stuff I've had to do, which is kind of weird. So uh, if I had a card or like an app or an official thing that I could just give people, I would do that. That seems to be the easier solution. And um, well, people are finding creative ways to do just that. 
Tattoos are cool. I have one. I have like eight in mind. Hopefully getting one for my birthday. It's a piece of art that becomes a part of you. But are they practical? Not exactly, but they can be, as you're about to hear. Recently, people have started tattooing QR codes and wavelengths of audio onto them. Here's an amazing example, an incredibly wholesome story from K. Howe, K. Houston, News 11. Rafael Sermino has always known he's wanted a tattoo, a lifelong stamp of his little girl, Fabiana. I love her voice right now. But when his pop of 12 years died suddenly from cancer two weeks ago, he knew who else he wanted to hear. Having that precise moment when he's playing with my daughter and being able to remember that, that's how I want to remember him. It's the latest trend called sound wave tattoos, a new dimension that brings another layer of life to the art. This way, not only are you getting that tattoo that you can look at and visualize, but now you can hear it. His pup and his four-year-old now frozen in time as forever his best friend and... I love you, puppy. So here's how it works. You upload the audio clip you want and you send it to the company Skin Motion. They'll send you an image of the wavelength which you can have tattooed. Prison Break is one of the first tattoo shops in Houston. So there you go. Pretty neat. I forgot to cl- uh, clip out the end of that clip there. There's the typo. Shane, would you do the audio the typo. The button? Mm-hmm. No. Audio typo. Oh, still counts. On. Well, I wasn't ready. Counter said there was still There's me having belief in you. Well, Counter said there was still 10 oh. seconds That's left. And there was some, it's nothing yeah. happening. Nothing left. Weird. Nothing left. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, so that's okay. pretty cool. The guy has morning. a tattoo of a wavelength of his daughter saying, I love you, dad. That's cool. Right? There's there's some cool... Uh, sorry, did you have more to say there? Did I just interrupt you? I didn't mean to. No, keep going. Go ahead. It. Well, no. I just, I, I've heard of this before. And there was a concept that we worked on as a business thing where you can get that like on a wall, right? Like... Yeah, yeah. I've seen uh, people neat. get uh, really dog cool. tags that have Spotify codes on them that open up couples' favorite songs. And I have seen a tattoo of the QR code that when you scan it, it opens this up. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so you a permanent Rickroll. Well, what about this as a tattoo idea? A man in Italy recently got a unique QR code tattooed onto him. That when scanned, opens up his COVID-19 vaccine records and certificate. Interesting. So, the Italian man logged a QR code leading to the person's COVID vaccination certificate through the EU. The scanner then knows that he's COVID-free. It was done by artist Gabriele Pellerone. Pellerone created it and uh, it's on his forearm and I think it's brilliant. I, it's, it's stupid. It's, it's like, I actually don't even think it's that weird of a tattoo because like when that guy's like in his sixties and he's looking back, he's got his kids and he's just remembers that time the world was in a pandemic. He can look back and be like, Oh yeah, I beat that. There's my proof. I actually see the value in it. Yeah. There would certainly be some, um, some merit to the memory. Hey. Uh, Yeah. I think there is some. I think there is merit into what he did. It's it's unique. It's it's a little weird. Although I would say if I had to get <laughs> a, a QR code uh, scanned onto me, I don't know if it would be 
my vaccine thing or anything official, it would probably be something stupid. If I'm honest, it would, it would be just for this, the one chance that I'm in public and somebody decides I'm going to scan that and see what sees what comes up. The only problem would be like your email address or you've changed your phone number, or something, and it's just old info now. <laughs> it's just old. Yeah, I need you to cover up my tattoo with an updated QR. Right. What if you get that because you like you get that tattoo where it has your wedding vows or I love you, Susie, or whatever on it? What if you and Susie break up and you're with your new your new partner you know, and it's like, hey, what's your tattoo? Oh, it's just a thing I got. Pick up the phone. You know, my uh, one of my best friends, he hated wearing his wedding ring. Like he just hates wearing rings. So with the wife's approval, he had an amazing set of uh, like deer antlers tattooed on his ring finger. And that's his tattoo. And it looks awesome. It's such it's a great piece. But <laughs> what yeah. happened? Like I, I have strong confidence in their relationship. But if that if they did you break up, know. like, ooh. I would just go all out. I would cover the entire hand in tattoos. If you it know, got to that point, you never know. You know what my QR know, code would open up? You know what mine what would, would it open up? It would open up open. the Shift Daily podcast. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well done. Very nice. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. Stream on Stack TV.